Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from the Lancet Global Health. I'm Catherine Rolfe. This month we are joined by Dr Patrick Walker who is an author of an article which estimates the risk of placental infection and low birth weight attributable to Plasmodium falciparum malaria in Africa in 2010. Let's hear from him introducing himself. I'm Patrick Walker. I do research into malaria at Imperial College London. Dr Patrick Walker, thank you for joining us today. Please give us a short background to the problems that malaria can cause during pregnancy and the role of parity in that. Sure. So by far the main cause of malaria in Africa is a parasite called Plasmodium falciparum. And although this is a really nasty disease and can often be fatal for people who experience infection for the first time, for people who live in areas of sustained transmission, by the time they reach adulthood, they've generally developed uh, sufficient immunity so that they experience infection with very little or no adverse effects at all and often are unaware that they're infected. And the one big exception to this is during pregnancy. And this is because during pregnancy, the development of the placenta provides a whole new target for the parasite to exploit. And once it gets into the placenta, it can replicate to very high densities, which can be really quite harmful to both the baby's development, leading to things like low birth weight or, or things like stillbirth or miscarriage, and also to the well-being of the mother by causing things like severe anemia and sometimes even maternal mortality. But what's interesting is that this ability of the parasite to invade the placenta is also matched by the mother's ability to acquire immunity to these placental parasites, meaning that if she experiences infection during one pregnancy, then in some subsequent pregnancies, the effects of infection is far less severe. And in many high transmission areas, women, by the time they reach their third or fourth pregnancy, can experience infection during pregnancy with almost no consequences and are almost entirely protected from malaria during pregnancy. So in our analysis, what we were trying to do was to try and capture the effects of this pregnancy-specific immunity and placental infection upon the risk and burden of malaria in pregnancy in order to try and get a better picture of the distribution of this burden across Africa. And can you briefly explain for the non-mathematician the modelling strategy you use to estimate the burden of malaria in pregnancy in Africa? Sure. So the two things that we concentrated on in terms of burden was the risk that a woman's infected during her pregnancy and also the risk of low birth weight this causes. And we focused on low birth weight because this is one of the, if not the leading cause of burden that malaria in pregnancy causes. And it's also a very easy aspect of malaria pregnancy that can be measured. So the first thing we did was to try and find as much data as we could upon how the risk of low birth weight in those women who experience malaria during pregnancy, how this decreases with the number of pregnancies she's had during her lifetime. And the idea was to then, by taking into account the level of exposure that these women are likely to experience to malaria in the pregnancies in their lifetime beforehand to try and take this into account in order to get an idea of how immunity is developing to these placental infections to malaria in pregnancy as women acquire exposure through successive pregnancies. And then using this estimate or what we call a model of how this pregnancy-specific immunity links to transmission in the general population, we were able to combine the best available data on how fertility patterns change across Africa with the estimates of how transmission changes across Africa to try and get an idea of the risk that pregnant women face from malaria in pregnancy across the continent and also to try and get an idea of the potential or birth weight burden this can cause if women aren't protected from infection during pregnancy. And did you uncover any unexpected findings in terms of transmission intensity and timing of infection? 
Yeah, so I think there were a couple of interesting things. It's very tempting to think about malaria in pregnancy as a mosquito biting and infecting a pregnant woman, this leading to infection within the placenta and this causing all the problems associated with malaria in pregnancy. However, as you link pregnancies to the level of transmission we put in a population, it increasingly becomes apparent that actually a lot of these women, even before they become pregnant, are likely to have infection of some level, even if it is completely asymptomatic and often quite hard to detect. And this could either have occurred before they get pregnant or even very early in their pregnancy when the placenta hasn't really developed to the point where it can be infected. So what this means is that there's this kind of really key point in gestation and this point being when the maternal blood starts flowing into the placenta. This tends to happen around two or three months gestation and this is the point where out of the majority of times when the parasite is likely to encounter the placenta this is the time when the majority of these events are likely to occur. I think the other interesting thing that our estimates seem to suggest is that as you move from areas of very high transmission intensity to more moderate or even quite low levels of transmission, the burden of low birth weight due to malaria, our estimates suggest that doesn't change very much. And this is due to a combination of the fact that fertility in many areas of Africa is very high, with women often having four or more pregnancies throughout their lifetime. And also that this development of this pregnancy-specific immunity means that the majority of burden due to malaria in pregnancy is incurred when a woman experiences malaria in pregnancy for the first time, regardless of whether this experience occurs during her first, second, third or fourth pregnancy. So although we would estimate that as transmission falls, the proportion of first pregnancies that get in this kind of really nasty first infection, the proportion of women who experience that during their first pregnancy will also fall. Actually, what happens if you've got high enough fertility is the parasite still has a second chance to pass on this all-important infection during the second pregnancy or a third chance during the third pregnancy. So actually, the number of women who are infected at least once doesn't change much. And as a result, the burden of malaria in pregnancy attributable low birth weight, we find today's stubbornly high. And you estimate that nearly a million babies are born with malaria attributable low birth weight every year in Africa. Can you give us an idea of the scale of preventable morbidity and potentially mortality we are talking about? Sure. Well, in terms of translating the number of low birth weight into things like neonatal mortality and infant mortality, low birth weight is a major cause of these mortalities, but we didn't have the ability to accurately capture this. And this is because recent studies show that the risk of mortality associated with low birth weight is quite setting specific. And also, it depends on what type of low birth weight you have. So if a baby is delivered at full term and is just small for gestational age, then the additional risk of neonatal mortality doubles relative to full-term normal birth weight baby, whereas a baby that's born prematurely and is small because they've been born prematurely, this risk increases to a factor of almost six. And malaria has been shown to cause both of these types of low birth weight, but we weren't able to work out what proportion of our low birth weights were each type. However, as sub-Saharan Africa remains the region that still has the highest rate of neonatal mortality in the world, it seems fairly safe to say that anywhere between the risk of two or six is likely to be a really substantial burden. There's also various studies that show that low birth weight can have a quite strong impact on various developmental outcomes later in life and can also lead to other diseases, but very few of these studies have taken place in Africa. And finally, what are the lessons for prevention and how could antenatal services play a role? So currently there are two main strategies which can be used to try and prevent 
malaria and pregnancy and its associated burden. And one is the provision of presumptive anti-malaria medication when women attend antenatal clinics. However, the medication that's currently recommended can't be given during the first trimester due to safety concerns. And this is clearly quite a big problem given that our estimates suggest that this is a really important time to try and clear out infection before it has a chance to sequester within the placenta. However, having said that, I think our results do suggest that the first antenatal visit in which it is possible to provide this medication is very important to try and ensure that these infections are as short-lived as possible. The second thing, the insecticide-treated nets, well, these don't clear infection. They only prevent mosquitoes from biting and causing an infection in the first place. So if you give a bed net during an A&C visit, then it's likely that you've missed quite a big chunk of the infections that could lead to placental infections, these being before the first A&C visit or before a woman's even become pregnant. And this is especially the case in young women before their first pregnancy who are unlikely to be, say, sharing a bed net with their child. And this is actually hard to try and improve this gap precisely because there aren't any current delivery mechanisms that aim to reach young women. However, one thing that could be said is that this can be seen as just one additional advantage for the universal bed net campaigns that many countries are now conducting, which aim to ensure that all members of the population have access to a net. Dr. Patrick Walker, thank you for speaking with The Lancet Global Health. Thank you very much.